Welcome, Harvest Church family, and thank you for joining us this week for our sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed and encouraged with the message prepared. Right now, let's listen in to this week's message. Let's get into the Word of God. Amen. The title of my message this morning is called Emergency 911. Emergency 911. I love that. You see that graphic? Emergency 911. I'm going to read the scripture and then we will move into the into the text. Father, we just thank you and we praise you. I ask you in the name of Jesus that you would give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation that you would enlighten the eyes of our understanding. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, and the heart to perceive what the spirit of the Lord is saying to Harvest Church that we might turn and be healed. God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing to you. And I pray as you've already established the word of God in the heavens, establish it in our hearts, our lives, our family, our community, our city, our region, and our state. And let the name of Jesus be glorified and exalted. Let us know that you are mighty. You are great and greatly to be praised. And you are mighty to save, Lord. So have your way and be glorified in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. We pray and everyone said. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Esther chapter 3 and verse 1 reads this. It says, sometime later, when King Xerxes promoted Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, over all the other nobles, making him the most powerful official in the empire, all the king's officials would bow down before Haman to show him respect whenever he passed by. For so the king had commanded, but Mordecai refused to bow down or show him respect. When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down or show him respect, he was filled with rage. And he, uh, he learned of Mordecai's nationality, so he decided it was not enough to lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the entire empire of Xerxes. Then Haman approached verse 8, the king Xerxes, and he said, there is a certain race of people scattered through all the providence of the empire who keep themselves separate from everyone else. Their laws are different from those of any other people, and they refuse to obey the laws of the king. So it is not in the king's interest to let them live. Mm. If it pleases the king, issue a decree that they be destroyed, and I will give 10,000 large sacks of silver to the government administrators to be deposited in the royal treasury. The king agreed, confirming his decision by removing his signet ring from his finger and giving it to Haman, son of Hamadatha, the Agagite, the enemy of the Jews. And the king said, the money and the people are both yours to do with as you see fit. Verse 13. Dispatchers, dispatchers were sent by swift messengers into all the provinces of the empire, given the order that all Jews, young and old, including women and children, must be killed, slaughtered, and annihilated on a single day. This was scheduled to happen on March 7th of the next year. The property of the Jews would be given to those who killed them. Wow. I want to let you know there are some circumstances in life that are so urgent that you need God to step in supernaturally. There are some things in life that you can't go and get counseling to correct. 
There's some things that you cannot talk to people to fix. There are some things that you can't, you can't uh, argue out, counsel out, talk out, but you need God to come, and the only way for it to leave is for you to fast and pray it out. In this situation, we find that Esther, Mordecai, her cousin, and the Jews are in one of these situations where someone has come with a satanic agenda to bring destruction and death to everything that they represent and who they are. They are in a a situation where the haters have come to assassinate them and stop them from being and doing who and what God has called them to do. I want to talk to you about an assassin today. And this assassin, his name is Haman. Haman is an Agagite, and he is a descendant of the Amalekites, this ancient people who when the children of Israel left from Egypt and they're going to the promised land in the very wilderness that they had to pass through, the, the descendants of Haman, the Amalekites, attacked them ruthlessly and unswervedly, and they came against them in the wilderness. And in Deuteronomy 25, it says this about the, the, the descendants the relatives of Haman. It says this, and God is speaking to Moses. He says, never forget what the Amalekites did to you as you came from Egypt. He said, they attacked you when you were exhausted and weary and struck down. And those who were staggering behind, or they struck down those who were staggering behind. He said, they had no fear of God. Therefore, when the Lord Your God has given you rest from all of your enemies in the land. He has given you as your special possession. You must destroy the Amalekites and erase their memory from under heaven. The Lord says, never forget this. See, I want to tell you sometimes in life, you need to learn how to put to death some things before what you do not put to death tries to put you to death. See, as we're going through this time of fasting and prayer, we are putting our flesh to death or we are bringing our flesh under subjection to the power of the Holy Spirit and of the Word of God. And I want to tell you, if you don't learn how to put your appetites and your desires and things that you are doing, touching, and participating in under the influence of the Holy Spirit or even put those things to death, then they will return and come back on you and try to put you to death. See, King Saul, the first king of Israel, had the opportunity to put Haman's relatives to death and he failed. And hundreds and maybe even a thousand years later, the relatives of Haman have now come to kill Saul's relatives, family, and people. I don't know who God is talking to in 2023, but God is saying some things have lived too long and this is the year that you must put to death some things that have been coming against you and your family longer than it should have been. See, when the assassin shows up at your house, you cannot give them cookies and milk and invite them to sit down at the table. Sometimes you have to say enough is enough and it's time for a change and I will no longer tolerate or give permission to the nonsense that the devil has brought to my house, to my family, to my household, to my job, my work, my business. You have to tell the devil enough is enough. 
Look at somebody around you say, enough is enough. Enough is enough. Who is this Haman? Haman is that thing that constantly looks to destroy your destiny, your future, your life, your family, your business, your church, your city, your region, your state. He is the spirit of destruction that has found a way to hit you in a way you never thought possible. And he comes out of nowhere with destruction to devastate you and all of the progress that you've made in life. It seems like any time that you begin to rise, Haman shows up or that spirit that was in Haman, they will show up and try to drag you down. It's like when you take one step forward, Haman is there to drag you and pull you three steps back. Has anyone ever experienced when you're making progress and it seems like you're about to go to the next level or get to breakthrough and all of a sudden everything falls apart and now you're back to where you were and sometimes even worse than where you began. That's who Haman is. He's that evil spirit from the devil that's meant to stop you from fulfilling your destiny and keep you from living the life that Jesus Christ died to give you. But I want to shift and not talk about Haman. I want to talk about the hero. I want to talk about this young lady, Esther. Who is Esther? This is the book of Esther is written after her name. Esther was a young woman who was born in Israel, but because of the Babylonian captivity, she was transported to Babylon, and then eventually the Medes and the Persians defeated the Babylonians. She was under their captivity. She had a cousin named Mordecai who raised her more like a father figure than as a cousin, and he gave her wisdom, direction, and leadership so that she could arise from a refugee girl from another nation to actually becoming the king, the highest uh, the queen, the highest woman in the land, the, the, the wife of the king of the Medes and the Persians. God used her, but before God used her, she was hidden. Look at someone next to you say hidden. Listen, there are times where God will hide you until he is ready to reveal you. Oh, that's a word for somebody. There are times where God will hide you until he is ready to reveal you because some of us want to be revealed prematurely and God says not yet. See, Esther was hiding out in her cousin's Mordecai house until the king said, I need a new wife. I need someone to represent me here at the palace. And then God says, Esther, now is your time to go from being hidden to revealed. See, if you do what God's been telling you to do and do the deep work that he's trying to do in your heart in due season, God will elevate you and promote you and reveal you and bring you from a place of being hidden to being in a place of being revealed, and you will be ready for the moment. See, God doesn't want any half-baked Christians. <laughs> He doesn't want you to come out premature and not ready to maximize the moment. When he brings you out, he's ready for you to grab a hold of everything he has for your life. So being hidden isn't a bad thing. It's just a timing thing. I'm going to say that again. Being hidden is not a bad thing. It's just a timing thing. Amen.
So Esther finds out through her cousin Mordecai that this evil Haman has decided to exterminate and kill all of the Jews throughout the province of Susa and throughout all of the areas that the king reigns over. And the king at this time did not know that Esther was a Jew, nor did Haman know that she was a Jew. But God had positioned her in the right place at the right time and the right moment to do the right thing because God's timing is perfect. We say God is rarely early. He is never late, but he is always what? That's right. He is always on time. See, don't be fooled when God hadn't showed up yet. That doesn't mean he isn't coming. He's going to be there right when it's time for him to show up. Can I get a yes and amen? amen. In Esther chapter 4 and verse 1, it says this, When Mordecai learned about all that had been done, he tore his clothes and he put on burlap and ashes and went out into the city crying with a loud and bitter wail. He went as far as the gate of the palace for no one was allowed to enter the palace gate while wearing clothes of mourning. And as the news of the king's decree reached all the providences, there was great mourning amongst the Jews and they fasted and wept and wailed and many people lay in burlap or sackcloth and ashes. I want to talk to you for a few moments of what do you do when Haman shows up? What do you do when that emergency, that thing comes to your door knocking louder than you wanted to knock? And it says, what are you going to do with me now? I want to show you that Esther and the Jews, what they did is they called an emergency 911. They picked up their phone and they said, God, we have an emergency going on here. Haman has declared that he is going to kill us and all of our people. And not only that, he is going to take all of our property and wipe us completely off the face of the earth. God, we have an emergency, 911. Has anyone in this place ever experienced an emergency 911 situation in their lives? When the doctors say, we don't have an answer for you. When the people around you who love you want to support you say, we can't do anything for you. This is an emergency 911. 911 means this it is urgent, it is a crisis. And there's a need for an emergency response or help. 911 means there are no other options. So what did the Jews do in this emergency 911 situation? They did what I believe some of us need to learn to do when we find ourselves in this situation. Because there is no such thing as a hopeless situation. There are only situations that we fail to properly adjust to and call an emergency 911 to heaven. I'm going to say that again. There are no hopeless situations. There are situations that we, we fail to adjust to and do an emergency 911 to heaven. Chapter 4 and verse 12 says this. So Hathach gave Esther's message to Mordecai. And Mordecai sent his reply to Esther. He says, don't think, Esther, because you're in the palace, you will escape 
when all the Jews are killed. He said, if you keep quiet at this time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise from some other place, but you and your relatives will die. And then he uses probably the most famous line in the entire book of Esther. He said, who knows if perhaps you are made queen for just such a time as this. He said, you are not the queen because you're cute. You're not the queen because you have those little pretty eyelashes. You're not the queen because you have on red lipstick or you wore the right dress. You are the queen because for this moment, God raised you up to deliver our people from the destruction of Haman. Esther said, 911, emergency. God, we need you. Verse 16, Esther replied back. She said, go, 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 Mordecai. She said, gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. She said, do not eat or drink for three days or night. My maids and I will do the same. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. And if I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. See, it was illegal for anyone to enter into the throne room of the king without being summoned. And up to this time, it had been a month since Esther had seen the king face to face and in his throne room. And she knew that the penalty for violating this law was instantaneous death. It's not a conversation. It's not a communication. We're not going to go to marriage counseling. If you enter into the king's chamber without his permission, you are dead on the spot. So she said, before I go to my death, that's why she said, if I die, I die. She said, fast and pray for me because this is an emergency 911. This is a situation that if God does not intervene, if God does not show up, there is no alternative to what will happen to us. Because extreme situations require extreme responses. I believe today that Esther and the Jews' emergency response through fasting and prayer caused the king to accept her into his presence in the throne room. And when she walked into the room, the Bible says that the king extended his scepter. That means that you are accepted. You will not be put to death. Actually, you have found favor in my eyes, and I will grant you whatever you desire. So wait a minute, Pastor John. You're telling me she went from a death sentence in one moment to actually receiving favor from the king and the king granting her anything that she wanted? What was the catalyst that caused this dramatic shift from death to favor? The catalyst was emergency 911. She fasted and prayed before she went before the Lord. Her people fasted and prayed by maybe the hundreds of thousands before she went before the king, and the king blessed her with favor instead of death. 
I want to tell you, when death shows up at your door, you need to dial emergency 911. See, when sickness and infirmity shows up at your door and the doctor says, you have been diagnosed with X, Y, and Z and there's nothing we can do for you, it is time to dial an emergency 911. When that child, that relative, that son, daughter, husband, wife is addicted and they're strung out and they're doing things they should not do, it's time to say, God, it is an emergency 911. It's time to stop complaining about it and do something about it. Amen. What happened? Because the Jews dialed an emergency 911 rapid response through prayer and fasting. This is what happened. Three things. The king gave the Jews the ability to arm themselves and protect themselves from their attackers. And he took the very people, Haman, and hung him in the very place that he tried to kill and put Mordecai to death. See, when you move into emergency 911, God will actually allow your haters and your adversaries to receive the very punishment that they tried to impose on you. Amen? You need to look at somebody when they're coming against you and say, don't, don't, don't get me fasting. Don't, don't. Don't have me put down my, my I am not going to mention food types, but don't have me put, don't have me shuffle aside this plate because I know how to dial 911 emergency. Mm. The second thing that happens, whenever we declare emergency 911 in our lives, we tell God that we are serious. And we can't take no for an answer. We are desperate and we need God to step in to our situation at all costs. God responds to faith. God responds to desperation. Amen. God just needs to know, are you serious about what you want? God, I'm putting away the plate. Emergency 911. God says, dispatch is on their way. Hmm. You can put the picture up for me, please, and I'll probably close on this. This young man is Matthew Chason. This was back in 2016. This was the second time in a couple of years that he was in a, a near-death experience. His brother was one of our leaders at the church in New Orleans, and he was in a, uh, he worked offshore and he could not get back in time to come see his brother. So he called Pastor Liz and I and said, please, can you go to the ICU in New Orleans and go and see about my brother? The doctors have informed me and my mom and dad that he will not make it through the weekend. This was on a, a uh, Saturday. They said he's not going to make it through the weekend. I can't even fly back from offshore to get back in enough time. They said he's going to die. He's in ICU. He's not going to make it. Will you please, you and Pastor Liz, go and see what's going on and please go and pray for my brother. Now, let me tell you this. Here's the backdrop, what you don't know. And this is why I say the timing of God is perfect. God is never late. He is always on time. Pastor Liz and I had been on a seven-day water fast, unrelated to Matt. 
we were on the seven-day water fast, and this, this Saturday was day six of the fast when we got this telephone call. We went to the hospital, and because Matt was in a backslidden spiritual condition, we prayed for him, and Pastor Liz was near his ear, and she was saying, Matt, if you can hear us, if you can hear us, just repent and ask Jesus to forgive you what you've done. Just ask him to forgive you. Jesus wants to save you, Matt. If you can hear us, just tell him, Lord, I'm sorry, I repent. I ask you to forgive me and come into my heart and be the Lord of my life. I'm turning back to you again, Jesus. After she prayed for him, we laid hands on him and we rebuked the spirit of death and we said, let him go in Jesus' name. We left that hospital room. That was sometime in the afternoon. Everybody say 11 o'clock at night. 11 o'clock at night, Matt jumped up out of the bed and he started ripping the tubes out of his mouth. He scared the snot out of everyone in the hospital. Because people in comas don't just jump out of comas and start ripping tubes out of their mouth. Especially not when the doctor says, come now, because this is probably the last time you'll see him alive. God, emergency, 911. Emergency, God. God, we need you to step into this situation right now. The next day, we went back to the hospital. We went to church, came to see him after service. Matt was wide awake, talking conversating. Matt even had an attitude. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, bro, what, what do you have an attitude about? Are you upset you're in the hospital? How about 24 hours ago they thought you were going to die and wouldn't even be here anymore? <laughs> and he went on to live many years after that, amen? <laughs> Come on, does anyone have an emergency 911 situation? Let me close on this. Fasting and prayer does this. Why do we fast and pray? We're not just starving for the sake of starvation. We're praying and fasting for a reason. Number one, it stops destruction. Number two, it changes the course of history. And number three, it causes God to supernaturally intervene in our most urgent needs. When we fast, we're saying, God, step into this impossible situation and do what only you can do. This morning, as we close this service, first of all, I want to ask you, is anyone in this room and worship team, you can come up. Say, I need to commit my life to Christ Jesus. If you do, I want you to raise your hands because I believe that God wants to transform and save some people and bring you into the kingdom of God. You can bow your heads just for a moment. If you say, I need to accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior, I want to know this God of emergency response. 
I want to know this Jesus who rescues people who are in hospital beds and comas on life support. I want to know this Jesus who rescues people who are about to be annihilated by their enemies. If that's you and you say, I want to give my heart to Jesus, please raise your hand for me. If that's you, anyone here, thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Come on, let me see those hands real quick. Anybody else? Amen. Little sis, come on. I want to pray for you. It's okay. Come on. Praise God. Thank you, sweetie. Anybody else? You said, I want to know this guy. See, because when I was young, I didn't know God could do all of this. Hey, sweetie, how you doing? Amen. Okay, I'm going to pray for you, okay? Amen. Just extend your hands towards him. I want you to pray this out loud with me. Say, Heavenly Father, I surrender my life to you. I surrender my life to you. I give my heart to Jesus Christ. My heart to Jesus Christ. I ask you to come and live inside of me. So you come and live inside of me. Transform me. Transform me. Change me. Change me. And show me how much you love me. Show me how much you love me. Be the Lord of my life. Be the Lord of my life. And save my soul. And save my soul. I believe that you died. Rose again. You rose again on the third day. On the third day. I accept you into my heart. I accept you into my heart. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Praise God. You're so good, Lord. Amen. Thank you, sweetie. I'm gonna pray for you real quick and then I'm gonna let Miss Elizabeth go pray with you. Alright, so Father. God, we just pray for this, this young, young girl, Father. We pray that you would bless her, even as she raised her hand to ask you to come into her heart and be the Lord of her life. We pray for transformation and change in her and through her. God, I pray that she would be a young Esther, that she would be one father to help many people to be saved and delivered from the destruction of the enemy. God, I pray that you would use her in such powerful and mighty ways that people's lives would never be the same. I bless her and I pray that you would bless her, Father God, in supernatural and powerful ways. Let the glory and the presence of God fill her to overflowing. Have your way in her life. In your son, Jesus Christ, holy name we pray. And everybody said, amen. Thank you, sweetheart. God bless you. We're going to take five minutes because we do have to transition for service number two. But who has an emergency in this place? If you have an emergency, come up. We're going to pray right now. If you have an emergency, 911, come to this altar. And we're going to believe God to respond to your emergency. Amen. Come on. Who has an emergency in this place? Who has an emergency 911 situation? Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. This is if you say, I have an emergency, I have an urgent need that I desperately need God to respond to, amen. This is going to be a very short altar call, but I just feel like your act of faith coming to this altar, that God's going to respond to it in a supernatural way in the name of Jesus, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father.
prayer. Father, right now, in the name of your son, Jesus Christ, God, as we are at this altar, God, you see the urgent needs that your sons and your daughters have, Lord, in this hour and in this moment. God, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would begin to dispatch angels, Lord God, on missions of rescue, Lord God, even as you dispatch the angels throughout the province of Susa and all the surrounding provinces to save the Jews from the destruction of their enemy, oh God. I pray for the power of God to be released in the name of Jesus and that, God, you would send rescue, Lord God, Father, we here at Harvest, we're crying out and we're saying, God, emergency 911. Emergency 911. God, we're calling on you and we're asking you to come to our rescue and to deliver and to save and to rescue us and to rescue our loved ones and to send rescue, Lord God, throughout our various situations. God, we thank you, Father. We know that your ear is not deaf that you can't hear. Your, your hand is not too short that you cannot save. We know that you are the Lord and the Savior. So we need the Savior to show up and save and rescue and deliver and heal and transform in the name of Jesus. We cry out to you, Lord, in the name of Jesus. We cry out to you in the name of Jesus. Father, right now, all of those who are at the altar, God, I'm praying that you would send an emergency response even in the next seven days. God, I'm praying even in the next seven days as we close out these 14 days of fasting and prayer that, God, you would send an emergency response in the next seven days to rescue, to heal, to deliver, to save, to set free, Lord God, who whoever and whomever, Lord God, they are here at this altar for. We believe you for a miracle, God, divine intervention. And we pray that you would touch, Lord God. Touch us, God. Rescue us, God. And be with us, God. In the mighty name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for desperation. Thank you for a cry that says, I will not cease until you hear me, oh God. We thank you, Father, and we praise you in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Praise God. Amen. Thank you. Listen, anyone that came up to pray for people, you can stay. If you want to stay and receive special prayer, I'm going to let those who are here continue to pray for you otherwise i'm going to officially close out first service and we're going to leave if you need prayer stay and be prayed for we're going to dismiss so father just lift your hands with me everyone father right now in the name of your son jesus christ god we ask you that you would bless your people as we go and father as we continue through the next seven days of this fast Give us a double, triple, quadruple portion of your grace to continue to fast and pray and to believe you for the impossible, Lord God. Have your way in our lives. Be glorified and exalted. And I bless everyone as we leave. In your son, Jesus Christ, holy name we pray. And all of God's people said.
Amen and amen. God bless you. God bless you and God bless you. Amen. If you're at the altar and you need some special prayer, there are a few people around that will continue to pray for you and believe God with you. God bless you. We'll see you for the 11 a.m. service. Thank you for joining us once again for this week's sermon podcast. We pray God's blessing on you as you face your day and week ahead. For more videos, messages, and other content, make sure you follow, like, and subscribe to all of our social media accounts on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at GoHarvestEG. And be sure to check out our website at GoHarvest.org for the latest information on events and services. Until next time, stay encouraged and don't miss the opportunity to be a blessing to the world around you. God bless. Thank you.